This episode of the What's Happening Delco podcast is brought to you by Delco Meets for Business. Check us out on Meetup, register, and attend one of our fantastic networking meetings, which we meet on the first and third Thursday at the Brick House in Ridley Park, and the second and fourth Thursday at the Upper Crust in Newtown Square. We look forward to seeing you there. What's happening, Delco? I'm Rich Shane, and welcome to the What's Happening Delco podcast. Today, I'm joined by Delco's own Leah Savoli. Leah, welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Well, what's up is us getting together today, and I'm excited. I don't normally, you know, do research and make notes, but I did that today. Because there's so much about you that's fascinating to talk about. But Leah, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm a little worried. Uh, what kind of research? <laughs> you know, backgrounds. <laughs> Background check, criminal, FBI check, yeah, fingerprints, all, that. Yes. all of that. Hopefully yes. it all came up negative. I paid somebody a while ago to scrub that for me. Um, what do I do? Um, I do a little bit of everything. You know, um, I'm mostly known for voiceover work, um, TV film work. I also produce and, and host and do some modeling and some writing. Um, and then various things, kind of everything that I do connects to the entertainment industry in some way, shape or form. Um, and I've been working, um, in the entertainment industry now full time since, uh, 1999, 2000, uh, when I first made the trek from Delco out to Hollywood, California. So you were a child actor? No, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> No, I dropped out of grad school in the late 90s and moved to Hollywood. What was it that was the catalyst to get into entertainment, into acting, and make that transition, leave grad school? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was a it was a crazy time. Um, what ended up happening was I ended up getting an offer to go on the road with my all-time favorite rock band of all time. Um, you've probably heard of the band of Poison, who are also from the Pennsylvania area. A little a little further up, they say yins instead of yous, where, where they're from. Um, but I ended up with an opportunity to tour for two months in the summer of 98 with Poison, Rat, Great White, and LA Guns. And it was a two-month tour around the U.S. And it was just all of my wildest dreams coming true, right? Like all of a sudden I had stepped into the MTV music videos that I had been watching, you know, as a child. So um, I spent the two months on the road, um, traveling the country, uh, working with the fan clubs and the meet and greets and, and being a part of, you know, the after show, making sure all the fans got to meet the bands. And then as you do, you come back to Delco and you're like, what am I doing? I know poison. I bet you if I moved to Hollywood, I'd just get like a job at Capitol Records or something, right? So that's what I did. I dropped down to grad school and I packed up my uh, 1994 Ford Probe that I had, which was also blue, by the way. I know okay. we both have blue cars. Um, <laughs> packed up my Ford Probe. I had a couple hundred dollars in my pocket. I had no real plan. I had no job lined up. I had no apartment lined up. I had met one or two friends over the past year or so of, of, of traveling and, and being out there. Um, and so I had one girlfriend, uh, my girlfriend, Kendra, who was originally from Massachusetts, who was already out there. And so she was kind of my only lifeline of like, you know, come stay with me. But again, you know, I had just worked with Poison and Rad and Great White and Ellie Gunn. So I just thought, you know, doors would open. So I drove cross country by myself 
1999. And for those of you listening, this is before cell phones. Um, this is before GPS, before Siri, before any of those things. So, you know, I remember my dad saying, can you just wait a couple more days so I can get you new tires? We can get you your oil changed. Um, and then they printed out the route, you know, paper, MapQuest, you know, from the computer. Um, so back then, like if you ran into a detour or traffic, you just had to cross your fingers and get through it. Um, so <laughs> I made it across the country. Um, it took me a couple weeks. Um, there was a few stops along the way. I stopped in Nashville for a couple weeks and, and almost stayed there. Um, Nashville's always been a, a favorite backup spot. Um, but I made it to LA and I did fall into the music scene first since that's what I had just been doing was working with a bunch of bands. So I originally started booking bands in Hollywood at like all the local nightclubs and I did that for about four years. Um, and then to answer your question, um, I woke up one day, I was, I had just turned 29 and I was booking bands at the cat club on sunset strip. I was the main, um, booker at the time and I threw myself a birthday party and produced it and put all the bands together and I remember going home that night and they, they say there's something astrologic astrolog in the astrology world that happens around your 29th birthday it's a it's one of your returns it might be the Saturn return I'm, I'm not exactly sure I have to look that up but around 29 lots of big shifts happen for people and it was no different for me it was one of those moments where I woke up going what am I doing I'm out here 3,000 miles away from my family, I'm booking bands, I'm promoting other people's careers, but what do I want to do? And it was one of those moments where like one job fired me, one club shut down, things changed, and all of a sudden it was like, what am I doing now? And I got a phone call from a gym, Beverly Hills Health and Fitness Club, that I had put an application in a year prior. And they had an opening for the 6 a.m. desk girl shift. So I went from being out at clubs and booking bands, you know, until three, four in the morning to having to be the front desk girl at 6 a.m. You have to pay your dues. Um, and then that's where I met a friend of mine named George who handed me a card for two free acting classes at the Van Mar Academy of Television and Motion Picture Acting on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, run by Ivan Marcota, rest in peace. He was an incredible, incredible coach uh, for for actors and just really believed in everybody. He was from the East Coast too, and Italian guy, and was always handing out rosaries and crosses and little notes that he had he had he had uh, thought of you the night before. Um, and from there, that's just kind of I was like, all right, just started getting into acting, television, film. And it kind of spiraled from there. You know, the work that I was doing with the bands led me to get up on stage and do the hosting and the introduction. And I just kind of started making my own way. Was it more on camera acting or behind doing the voiceover work mm. that were your next steps? Back then, on camera happened first. Um, I had never even heard of voiceover at the time. I mean, obviously, you've heard of voiceover, but... Not really. Like, nobody really thinks about it. You know there's human beings behind those cartoon voices. What? Yes, there no is. No way. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> In fact, there's a woman who voices Bart Simpson and Nancy Cartwright, you know. Um, yeah, so, um, 
you know it, but you don't think of it. So I had never actually even thought about voiceover. It wasn't something, which is funny, right? Because I loved hosting. I was always picking up the microphone on stage and doing live events. So on camera happened first. Um, and I think a traditional path for a lot of people that move to Los Angeles is to sign up for extra work. You know, so I went down to Central Casting in Burbank, California, and they take your picture. I think back then it was 10 bucks or something like that. And you sign up and then you have to call every, well, back then you had to call every single day a recorded hotline to find out what jobs were casting and if your description matched what they were looking for. I think your story and your journey fully describes somebody that is going to do whatever they need to do legally, of course, or no matter what, to continue to seek out their dreams, to say, hey, I was supposed to be here in Los Angeles. I'm going to find the opportunity, find my niche, find my place. Is there something you attribute to you about your character or something somebody taught you to give you that kind of philosophy that you live by because you still do you still do that today right wow that's 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 an interesting perspective um yeah well you know I, I there's I mean I think of I think of my dad and the things that he he still says you know my dad's always been um I mean back then I didn't appreciate it but there were many times in my life where I can remember hearing my dad say like you know there's, there's no, can't isn't a word and ain't isn't a word. And I, you know, we're not going to quit. You know, you can't, it's not that you can't do something, you know? So there was a lot of that. Um, I also came from a background, um, I guess I was an overachiever at times when I was younger. Um, you know, I, I always did really well in school. I always joined a lot of clubs and committees. I've always loved just that sense of being involved and making things happen and bringing a community together. Um, like if, if there's no fun happening, I want to be the one to make the fun happen. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say that, that my parents, um, really instilled into all of us, you know, that you can do whatever you want to do. Um, but you have to try, like, it's not just going to happen. You have to get up and do it. So I had that. I think maybe I had a healthy sense of ego in my twenties, right? You could, you know, I can, I can do anything, you know, I just met and worked with all these rock stars. So I'm, yeah, I'm a rock star. I'm going to go out there and do it. And, and, you know, it's funny because when I look back, you know, this is something I think as grownups, a lot of time we lose, you know, there's your P's and Q's, right? That you're supposed to mind, you know, and there's certain, 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 protocols and stuff but when you're younger and and you've got that hunger and you just don't know I mean I've walked up to Warren Beatty and Annette Benning and handed them my business card at like an after party you know and who does that for no reason other than I said hello and the movie was great and and here's my business card maybe I can work with you someday um now that didn't turn into anything but there are moments like that that did you know there was a moment where I did something similar to Leonardo DiCaprio and a couple of weeks later, this, this company and this woman started following me on Twitter and started talking to me. And long story short, I did the research and Leo was an investor in this company. 
So I was like, well, <laughs> my business card went somewhere, you know, um, and, and I did end up getting some work from that company as well. So, you know, I can't say for a matter of fact that Leonardo DiCaprio referred me to a job, but I don't know how else it happened. Um, so, yeah, I think I, and I've always just believed in magic. If I can say that, you know, uh, magic and just, um, you know, nowadays maybe it's, you know, more about energy and the law of attraction and things like that. But when I look back at how I ended up in Hollywood and I look back at what I was doing as a teenager, it almost feels like my teenage bedroom was a giant vision board before the word vision board was in, you know, in the zeitgeist, zeitgeist right? You know, because all of these posters and things that were on my wall, I ended up working with 90% of them. So I don't know. I also watched a lot of, uh, a lot of superhero movies when I was young and fairy tales and Star Wars. Um, and my nanny, um, my nanny passed away, um, a couple years after I moved to Hollywood, but I remember the last conversation, um, that I had with my nanny on the phone, my, my mom's mom, my grandma, um, she always, well, one thing I have to say is she always got the Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. I don't know why. I, this woman has never left Southwest Philly slash Delco in her life, but she always had the Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. I don't think she ever bought anything from it. I don't know why. She just, just liked the pictures. She just liked I don't the know. pictures and, 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 and the nightgowns and the lingeries. I don't know. But I just remember always looking at Nanny's Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. And I remember when I went to Hollywood, it was like, oh my God, there actually is a store, a Fredericks of Hollywood store. Um, and I remember the last conversation with Nanny was I had just started working on HBO's Deadwood. And I think it was still season one, might've been season two, but I'm pretty sure it was season one. And I was on the phone with my Nanny and I remember telling her about the job and that I, how excited I was. I was still non-union. I still was struggling a lot, um, but she was so excited and telling me how, um, you know, she was telling everybody in the nursing home about her granddaughter who was a Hollywood actress. And hearing those words from my nanny saying that she was telling people I was a Hollywood actress and knowing that she'd always had this fascination with Hollywood, it just like, it really, it really meant a lot. Um, and when she passed, I want to say a couple weeks later, I, I was able to get comfort out of the fact that she died proud of me and like smiling about what I was up to. And granted, a lot has happened between here and there and she knows everything now, but <laughs> yeah. So I guess family, right? I guess family and coming from, coming from Delco and coming from this area, you know, um, and being taught that you lend a hand when you can and you help out when you can. Like I've always seen my parents always help out anyone they can. They've taken, they've had five children of their own, but there's been times in our lives where they took in other children that need it, you know, a little extra TLC or whatnot. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess just family, Delco, Philly. I mean, you know, I know this is what's happening, Delco, but technically I was born in Southwest Philly. So I didn't move to Delco till I was 10, you know, so I've got Philly, Philly blood and Delco roots. And then you move to Hollywood and it's all over. It sounds to me like all that has stayed with you yeah. and your parents and your nanny gave you a sense or affirmed who was inside of you, yeah. who you were, who you are. Yeah. And 
Look, you probably could name or write off a list of people you met while you were out in LA in Hollywood that didn't stay very long yeah. or didn't have that stick to itness. Yeah. And I think what you demonstrate or what you show is that, hey, there were so many people in your life that gave you that sense of purpose already. Yeah. So you didn't have to try to figure out who you were there. You just had to take those gifts and skills that you had been given and put them into practice. Yeah. And even, even with what you do today, you still demonstrate that. I'm curious for you, like you said, all right, going out there, we hear it's a struggle. It's a grind. You take the 6 a.m., you know, you never know where that's going to lead. But when was that for you, that first pinch me moment to say, and you look around and you're where you say, this is that part of the journey where at least for now I've arrived. Mm. That was Robot Chicken. Um, and Robot Chicken and Deadwood were kind of happening simultaneously. So I had been on Deadwood for two, three seasons at that point, but I was still a non-union actress. So for those of you that know what that means, you know, I make a minimum wage, you know, I'm getting pennies on the dollar. Back then I think it was, I want to say it was like $67 a day or something I was making to be a non-union actress on Deadwood. And I love Deadwood. Deadwood was also an incredible moment. Um, but as I was going through the steps of Deadwood and it was such a learning experience and, and being able to be on set and, and sit and observe these incredible actors that I got to work with and work with David Milch, who was a huge mentor in my life and, and ended up putting myself and some of the other actors through a, a scholarship, through an acting class on downtime. Um, you know, but there was still that struggle of non-union, non-union. And then along came Robot Chicken. Um, and it's a crazy story, you know, but I found, especially with voiceover, especially with animation voiceover, I have found that the people that ended up in animation have the craziest stories as to how they got into it. Um, because it always seems to come like, you'll, you'll hear this everywhere, but voiceover people are some of the nicest people you're ever going to meet in your life. And they all help each other out. And I totally felt that. Um, so again, we're dating us a little bit, but there used to be this website called Friendster. It was back before MySpace and obviously before Facebook. Um, but I met a gentleman on Friendster. His name was Matt Senrich. And for those of you that are familiar with Robot Chicken, you're already familiar with his name. But at the time, Matt was an editor at Wizard World Magazine in New York. And he reached out to me in a hey, I see you're from the East Coast and you moved to LA recently. I'm about to do that same trek, just looking to make some friends and find out, you know, how different LA is from the East Coast. So kept in touch with Matt. When he moved to town, we got coffee one day. And I remember him listening to my story, uh, the struggle, and I was, you know, non-union and working all these long hours and not getting paid the same as the people that were sitting in the corner reading their book all day. And I'm up on camera every day and giving it my best. And at the end of the conversation, he says to me, well, me and my partner, Seth Green, just sold a show to Cartoon Network. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's, it's called robot chicken. And, uh, you know, if, if we can help you out, you know, you know, maybe we will, you know, kind of thing. And so was this a, an audition really? No, this was just, <laughs> a, I was, and, and, and the funny thing is, is I, 
I remember to this day, we met at Starbucks and I want to say Starbucks closed at 930 and we met at nine okay. because I was working all day and it was like, I can meet you there, but I can meet you there at nine, you know? So, um, but in LA, in anywhere, you know, especially in the entertainment industry, but you know, people are promising you things all the time, right? So you take everything with a grain of salt and I had never done voiceover in my life. You know, I didn't know anything about the cartoon world. So I remember a few months later, um, I had taken on, um, a substitute teaching job for the holidays and I had been out in LA for five years at that point. And I had made it so that I hadn't had a full-time job since I'd been there. Right. You just, you can't, uh, you know, especially when you're trying to establish yourself, you have to be available for those last minute auditions. You have to be available for those last minute bookings. You have to be able to say, yep, I could be there in three hours and I can start work today. Um, and you, you know, and depending on the job, I, I'm somebody that doesn't want to let people down. So I didn't want to take any sort of teaching jobs and things like that where, if I walk away, somebody's let down, right? Or somebody's left holding. Especially the kids. Up, right, especially with the kids, you know? And and there was a couple even, there was a couple even school classes because I was looking to sub in Los Angeles school district and they weren't hiring subs at the time, but the, what they wanted was full-time teachers. And I had gotten a couple offers and I was like, I, I, I remember calling my mom going, I can't because I just can't. Like if I was going to give myself to a classroom, I would have stayed in Delco, right? Like, that wasn't your dream. It wasn't your plan. Right. And I didn't want to feel like I was letting these children down. Like I know myself, I would have gotten completely attached and, and wanted to do everything I could. So, but it was the holidays and I needed some extra money. And one of the charter schools that I substitute for, um, had like a two week offer for me. So I'm going to go on a maternity leave or something. So I said yes to like two weeks of work. It was the craziest week. Day one, Deadwood calls, asks me if I'm available. I have to say no. I get a phone call from the girls on set that day that Maxim Magazine had come to set that day and everyone got paid an extra couple hundred dollars to be in a photo shoot for Maxim, Maxim Magazine. The next day, Deadwood calls again. I have to say no again. I get a call that day that one of the girls got bumped up to a speaking line that day. And I'm going, what is going on? Why did I take this substitute teaching job? What is the universe doing to conspire against you, right? Exactly. Like, what is going on? And why are you guys telling me about all these awesome things that I'm missing out on for not being there? Now, this particular charter school did not work on Fridays. So I was going to have Friday off. So I remember this so clearly. It was my lunch break that Thursday. And back then I had something called Live Journal. Some of you might be familiar with it. And it was like a public open diary on the internet, which I wrote all my deepest, darkest secrets. Don't try to look for it because I've recently made it completely private because I forgot it even existed. That's part uh, of that scrubbing process. Yes, that was the scrubbing process. I, re I, I recently did some scrubbing. <laughs> Thank God you didn't find a live journal. You would have canceled this interview. Um, or we would have booked maybe sessions, we would have <laughs> multiple sessions. Yes. For all my multiple personalities. Um, no. So, um, I remember writing in my journal and I remember ending it like, why God, why, why am I here today? And I'm not kidding you. Ding. An email comes in from Matt. Leah, it's Matt. Uh, you know, remember me kind of thing. And, um, are you available tomorrow? 
we had a cancellation and, and we're going to, and, and we need you to come in and do this. OMG. Yes, I'm available tomorrow. Um, this is going to be my Taft-Hartley into the union because it's a union job. So um, for those of you not familiar with the process to get union, you either have to earn, and I'm going to use that word loosely, three SAG vouchers, which in all of my three, four years of doing background, I never earned one because there is no earning. It's like a no rhyme or reason if they have an extra and you happen to be the next one in line or you know the PA or whatever, or somebody asks you to show your boobs or whatever it is, you know, you might get that extra SAG voucher. Never got that SAG voucher. But the Taft-Hartley is like the Willy Wonka golden ticket. So you know, skip, go directly to go, do, you know, do not skip, go directly to go, collect your $200, boom, here's your ticket into the union. You still have to pay your initiation and whatnot, but now you've got your ticket. So I go the next day and apparently what had happened was Melissa Joan Hart was scheduled to do Sabrina the Teenage Bitch. And at the last minute, Disney told her she wasn't allowed to do it. Uh, it was something, something in her contract that she wasn't allowed to parody their you know original character but robot chicken could i know they've they've had a lot of red tape through the years you know with some of some of the things they've pulled off so i was there to replace melissa joan hart and i get there and i got there a little early which is not like me as you've already noticed but i got there a little early and thank god because i did not know what the heck i do for a cartoon animation recording session and so I get there and Matt introduces me to Seth, who's like, Philly, you know, is a big hug from Seth Green and like, yeah, I'm a Philly girl, you know, da 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 da, da East Coast. And Mila Kunis is there in the booth recording. So they tell me just, you know, have a seat on the couch, you know, and you can watch Mila and here's your paperwork and have a seat next to Mac. I look over and it's Macaulay Calkin because this is the time that he's, him and Mila were, were dating. So you asked, when was this moment? You know, this was the moment. I'm sitting there filling out my paperwork to finally be able to join the Screen Actors Guild. Macaulay Culkin is sitting on the couch next to me. Mila Kunis is in the booth recording and I'm listening to her, thank goodness, so I can figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. And Seth Green is about to direct me. And I stood up and I looked at everybody and I said, I'm going to go into the lobby and get some coffee with anybody likes them. And they're like, oh. And so I go out to the coffee machine and I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? You know? And I'm like, all right, well, you got to go back in there and do this job. And I did. Um, and I guess I did well because they invited me back nine more times. And I did a series of 30 different characters over the course of like the first four seasons on the show and, um, and all went well. But, you know, at that moment, it was like, wow, now, the funny part about that, I left down a part. The night before Robot Chicken is about to record, Deadwood calls again. And asks if you're available. They need me, but they don't ask if I'm available. They need me because they're reshooting something that I was in a week or so prior. So it was a matching scene. So even though I was background, the way Deadwood worked... Oh my gosh. I mean, we were essential, you know, anyone will tell you, you know, we were essential to the storyline and there was so much interaction, um, with the girls of the gem saloon. I was, I was one of the gem whores in the gem saloon with Al Swearingen. And I, I mostly had a lot of scenes with Earl Brown who played Dan Doherty. So Deadwood calls and says, we need you. We've got a matching scene. I said, well, 
I am recording Robot Chicken tomorrow. I think I want to say 11 a.m. Robot Chicken wanted me there. And Deadwood wanted me there, like, Lord knows, 7 a.m., 6 a.m., 5 a.m., who the heck knows? We were always there, rain, sleet, snow, hail. <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, so I said, well, I, I, I've got a booking on Robot Chicken, and this is going to pay me at the time. I think the day rate for a SAG voiceover was like $700. This is going to pay me $700. This is going to be my union card. So um, the, the casting goes back to Deadwood. They call me back. And they say, okay, can you call Robot Chicken and see if they can bring you in earlier than 11? <laughs> so I'm like, what? So here I am, and I don't have an agent. I'm doing all of this on my own. So I reach out directly to Matt Senrich, who's executive producer, co-creator, co-writer of the show, explain the situation. Now, if you know voiceover people, they don't usually work early. <laughs> so Matt's like, oh, we could push it up to 10. I'm like, okay. So I called Deadwood back and I'm like, they're going to see me at 10. And they're like, all right, well then get here as soon as you can after. Cause voiceover typically doesn't take a long time. So now the other part of the story is that robot chicken at that point was recording in Santa Monica, California. Deadwood was filming in Santa Clarita, California on a good day. These places are 45 minutes to an hour apart, but on a regular LA day, we could be two hour drive. All I know is that I did the job, filled out my contract, got my Taft-Hartley, and raced across town to Santa Clarita, parked my car, and as I'm running to get into wardrobe, Timothy Oliphant is being walked to set by one of our ADs. And I see him, and I just couldn't help it. I went, I like bear hug him and he's like oh my god you know that's amazing you know like everybody was so excited because I'd been on the show for so long and they knew that I had been trying to do that um so that was that that was the moment you know that was the moment where I was like wow this is real I can I can do this I can make a living at this and I can hold my own next to people that whose faces and names you recognize um and they're recognizing me as someone worthy enough and talented enough to be a part of their project and to invite me back. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was, that was definitely one of those moments. That's an amazing story. And there's so much to that, that, you know, you, you said it, you're around these people who are names that we would recognize, faces that we would recognize. And that's why I said, what was that pinch me moment? And, and it, your, what you drew back from at that moment was to continue to be a servant, mm -hmm. continue to be a caretaker. Mm -hmm. Hey, I need to collect myself, but does anybody need coffee? Right? And it's still- well, I thought that would be the less, the less weird way to like exit the room. Just step out, step out and collect yourself or just realize the moment. And then even to go so far to say, look, we go back to this. You know who you are. You know your strengths. Deadwood's there. We want you. Robot Chicken's there. We want you. And you're still saying, wait a second. We can figure this out because no matter what, it's all, it's all going to work out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it did. And it, and it did. And fast forward, we met yeah. at the Great Media Comic Con and... 
What was that experience like for you? And I'm always curious, you know, you're on the other side of the table and people recognize you or they don't recognize you or they think they recognize you. And, and there you are because you're that to some people, the Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And to others, you're in interest because you're in an environment that they want to know more about you. Mm -hmm. And, and why are you here? Mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you? Um, I had so much fun at the great media comic con Mark and that whole team kudos fabulous. And if you haven't heard, they have announced yep, it's coming year back year two and they've got, it's going to be three days. It's going to be three days long this time. It's going to be in April of next year in media. Um, I had a fabulous time and it's, it's interesting because it was actually really special for me because, um, because of robot chicken, I was introduced to San Diego comic con long, long time ago. Um, the first, the first season I was on robot chicken, they invited me to come down. They were on a panel and they were like, Oh, come by and see the panel. My naive self thought I could just drive down to San Diego and see their panel and then drive back to LA, not knowing what an enormous thing that was. Um, so I missed the whole panel because of the traffic. I didn't make it home. I slept on a, a somebody's hotel floor that night. That was my first experience with a Comic-Con. And since then, I have had the pleasure of speaking on many panels at San Diego Comic-Con, producing the panels, um, WonderCon, all kinds of cons all over, film festivals, Holly Shorts. But the great media Comic-Con was the first time I've ever gotten to do anything like that in my hometown. It was the first time I've ever gotten to do anything like that where my best friends and my family and my nieces and my nephews all came. Um, so it was super special in that aspect. Um, but when you're sitting there, right? So it, it's funny you ask that because I think a couple years ago, I was invited to the Northeast Boston Comic-Con. And I remember the self-doubts creeping in of well, what are you going to talk about? You haven't done Robot Chicken in a minute and you haven't done Deadwood. And, but yet there are fans of the shows that still want to see it. So I, you know, I put my big girl pants on and I made my materials and my marketing materials. And I went to the Boston Comic-Con and I met people like, um, that have been on TV shows that you heard of 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And maybe they haven't done anything else since that show, but they're sitting there with their, with their photos and their autographs and they've got fans lined up and everybody's having fun. And it's such a wonderful, welcoming environment. And I went, doesn't matter how long it's been since you did that show or did that show. It was an excellent show and it was an excellent piece of time. And there are people that still care and that's okay. So if, if these are the only super popular things that I ever get to do and they're still inviting me to Comic-Cons for 20, 30, 40 years to talk about these couple super exciting things, then I'm going to do it, gosh darn it. So when Media Comic-Con reached out, it was, it was a no-brainer. And what was super special about that was Robot Chicken attracts, I like to say boys from age 8 to 80. <laughs> you know, I'm not to say that girls don't watch the show because we do. Um, but it's a very like, you know, there's like some potty humor and stuff involved in it. And a lot of people at the Media Comic Con, you know, they just walk over and they're just, you know, they're just wandering around looking. And what I noticed, and, and I did this with you guys, 
to a degree. But what I notice is when you smile and you say hi, then people stop because they weren't sure if they should stop. They weren't sure if they should say hi. And it, maybe they don't know why you're there, but then they start looking at, at, at your things that you've got on your table. Um, you know, I, I had a couple people buy a, my poetry book that I recently produced. I had a few people decide they wanted just some, you know, random snapshot photos that had been taken over the years. Um, and then, of course, there were the people that knew who I was. Like, there was this one little guy, little guy, he was probably like, I don't know, 15, 16, maybe he was 17. It was so sweet. He came over with his friends and they were looking at everything and they were talking to me and he was like, oh, I know your name. And he knew how to say my name and everything. He knew the pronunciation. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, he's a big robot chicken fan. And, you know, they're chit-chatting for a while. And I don't know if it was his, like, younger brother, younger sister, but they were a little younger. And so they, they're talking. And I said, hey, guys, here, can I just, can I give you one of these photos? You know, I wasn't going to charge him for anything. I had a couple things. And, and the two little ones were like, yeah. And he refused to take anything for free from me. And so I signed the photos to, to the kids and walks away. And um, <clears throat> I see their mom wave at me, you know, from uh, like a thank you, like, thank you for, you know, making my kids feel special, you know, of course. Well, I come back from a break and he's back, but now he's changed to full costume. So he must have gone home, Wow! got himself into a costume and he's come back and he's got money and he wants to purchase some items and photos and autographs from me. And I was like, oh my God, that is so sweet. Now, at this exact moment, my dad, who's never been to Comic-Con or anything, comes up behind this child and says something like, she's cute, huh? That's my daughter, okay? <laughs> this child's face turns as red as the walls in this room. And my dad walks away chuckling. Um, you have to forgive him. He's He's got chemo brain, as he'll say. He's going through a cancer battle, and he just yeah, has lots, just, you know, lots of dad a, jokes. He's he a can, proud dad. At this That's point, he can do anything he wants, right? And he's a proud dad, yes. But this child, you know, my dad didn't know that this kid had worked up his courage all afternoon to come over and and I have to say he picked like you know most of my photos are very family friendly and whatnot but there's a magazine that I was in that was a pinup magazine and those are the photos that's what he, <laughs> this that's child what he wanted back, autographed he came back for the lingerie pinup you know very decent but pinup photo um, he's also getting the Fredericks of Hollywood catalog as well absolutely yeah. <laughs> absolutely nanny probably already sent him like the first subscription so you know to answer your question like it's I left that day, I mean, I was exhausted because my job when I'm there is to sit there and smile and talk and conversate and make you feel welcome because I want to talk to you. That's why I'm there, mm -hmm. you know? And, and of course I had lots of different people asking me questions about how, you know, how to, how to get started or how you did this or how you did that. Um, but my heart was so full when I left for days, like it just... It was like a burst of love that people care. 
that they want to come over and they want to talk to you. And, 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 and the great thing was being the media, the great media Comic-Con is that, you know, then we find out that across the way is my sister's neighbor who I didn't know had, had a booth and had something there for sale. My parents, uh, the new neighbors across the street who I don't know had a booth and, you know, and so then people are coming over going, Oh, I'm your sister's neighbor. Or I'm your parents. Neighbor. I mean, it was such a, a family, you know, family event, you know, I mean, and, and it's a small, you know, small town. So we're all connected, but it was fabulous. And it was also for those of you that weren't there and are maybe thinking of going next year, it was so well put together. I have to give props to Mark and, and all the producers that, that put the event together because their communication was spot on, um, details, set up, tear down. I had no questions, you know, everything went smoothly. Um, and I can't wait to see what next year is going to be like. I'm hoping to um, convince them or hopefully they'll be allowed to do some panels next year because I would love to, you know, get some actors and actresses together, you know, from the local Delco area, Philly area, New York area, and, and bring them to the great media Comic-Con and speak on panels. Um, there's a panel that I do um, a lot called All Shapes and Sizes Welcome. And it's about body image and positivity um, and... We talk about issues, body images, specifically in the entertainment industry, and it's not necessarily all actors and models on the panel. We have writers on the panels, photographers, game developers, anybody that can speak to that. And the thing I love about panels is always the audience and the Q&A. Um, that panel in particular, I remember one year, this young girl, she's maybe about 12 years old, she stood up at Comic-Con in front of hundreds of people and got on the microphone and asked us, what do you do if you're walking down the street and you hear somebody say something mean about you? And this whole panel, including uh, Adrian Curry from America's Next Top Model, who she's a, she can be a loose cannon. I mean, this whole panel was like, hold us back. You know, where are they? <laughs> you know, um, but uh, it's it's things like that where it's like I made a difference. Right. I made a difference to somebody. I was able to give that little girl a nugget of inspiration. We were able to give that girl a nugget of inspiration, a, a boost of her confidence, um, you know, back to what you were saying about, you know, it's, it's, you know, who you are inside. It can be easy to lose track of who you are inside, especially when you get, you hear somebody calling you a name or somebody's cyberbullying you online. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I'm, it's, it's a funny thing to even mention at my age, but, but there's someone who's not happy, uh, with me right now. Someone I've never met who I've seen like cyberbullying, like stuff online. And I'm like, even at my age, I'm like, ouch, you know, like, why do we do that? You know, why do we pick on people or, you know, well, because we're not happy with ourselves. Right. And, and we're taking it out. And so part of my journey has, has been not just, being comfortable with who I am, embracing who I am, standing in the confidence of who I am and, and learning to let that shine because a lot of times people don't like it when people shine, you know, and I've, I've experienced that in my life. I can tell there's been projects that I've been involved in and I like to think I, I bring a lot to projects. I'm just very generous with, with everything, with my people, connections. Oh, I can get this one involved. I can get this one involved. Let's do this. But sometimes I run into people who don't like that because 
by default, then the spotlight isn't on them so much. It's not like I'm going, hey, put the spotlight on me. I'm going, hey, I want to help this um, or I want to make this better. And so part of my journey has always been to stand up for the underdog. You know, um, I was that girl in elementary school who invited all 45 kids to my birthday party, you know, um, and I guess that's what I'm still doing. Like, I mean, I am always going to stand up for the underdog. I'm always going to speak out for the underrepresented. I'm always going to speak out if someone's being bullied or discriminated or, or being given an unfair shake. That's just who I am. Well, I think Great Media Comic Con is going to benefit from three <laughs> days and a panel discussion. Yeah. And to your point, it gives those in attendance the ability to learn more, go deeper, have that Q&A opportunity. And really, I continue to hear a, a very similar thing in a lot of your experiences and, and your journey. And one of the things that continues to resonate for me is the understanding no matter where we are in our lives, we always need, we're always going to kind of go, all right, well, you know, that was 12 years ago or that was 10 years ago. Sometimes, and to the benefit of what you do with entertainment, your medium or your, you know, area of your expertise is timeless. Yeah. Today we can find it. We can watch it on a rerun. We can find a snippet mm -hmm. on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to have that presence. But to you, well, I don't even remember that day. I don't even remember that scene. I don't even remember that time in my life because I'm doing other things now. I'm involved in so many other things. Talk about those other things. I mean, you, before we, we hit record, I mean, you listed <laughs> 45 things that you're involved in um, every day, day in and day out. But Talk about some of those highlights because I know you're doing some really great stuff right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, besides the, the voiceover work and the on-camera work, um, I've been getting, I've been diving a lot into modeling at this stage of my life, which is, which is strange. Um, here on the East Coast, um, I, I, I landed a modeling agency in, a, in Bethlehem and crazy thing to say, but I literally just got paid one of the largest and it's not super large. So don't think like I got it rolling <laughs> like that. But I just sat landed one of the largest paychecks for modeling that I've ever had. And I'm 49 years old. Um, so, and that, you know, so that was something that that's just kind of come as a surprise while I've been back here in Delco. Um, but then additionally, I had started producing, right? So I had started producing a bunch of indie films, um, over the years, there's, there's multiple indie films that I've been on and or produced that you can find on Amazon or 2 TV and, and things of that sort. Um, but part of the producing then for me also branched out into helping other indie filmmakers finance their films. Um, you know, there's traditional ways of financing and investment, um, but most of you have probably heard of crowdfunding. And so about 10 years ago, I just discovered I had a knack for, for social, well, I've been doing social media since AOL, right? Um, so I've been on those message boards and, you know, going back to Poison, you know, working with fan clubs and promotions and things like that. So it all kind of, you know, ties together. All of these skill sets flow into each other. So I had started helping indie filmmakers crowdfund. 
and ended up having to, I had so many people knocking down my doors about 10 years ago that ended up launching my own business through this. Uh, it's called greenlightyourpassionproject.com. There's a website where you can learn a little bit more about what I do, but I offer filmmakers various levels of, you know, from a one-time service to full on in the trenches. So right now, Delco, if you're not aware of it yet, DelcoTheMovie.com. Who was just a guest. Chris was just a guest of our podcast. Chris Pierdominico was just here on What's Happening Delco. And so Chris is a, is a friend of mine from about, we met about 12 years ago. The last time I was back, I come and go, right? I, you know, I... LA to Delco, but sometimes I'm here for big stretches. And so about 10 years ago, I was here for a big stretch and I met Chris Pierdominico um, because he was producing a web series back then. It was the first web series ever shot at Sun Center Studios. And I noticed there was a Craigslist ad. This is how, you know, Craigslist was still being used. Um, Chris had put an ad in Craigslist for some things and mentioned they were Sun Valley High School alumni. Well, I'm a Sun Valley High School alumni. And he mentioned he was a Westchester alumni. Well, I'm a Westchester alumni. So I was like, I got to meet these kids, you know. So um, ended up meeting and working with Chris back then and have kept in touch ever since. So Chris is now producing his first major feature film uh, based off of a feature film script that he wrote back in high school. And he's hired me to help him be the crowdfunding coach for this. And we just broke $20,000 on the website. We're using a website called seedandspark.com, very similar to Kickstarter, but it has various other pros and cons that I really like about the website. So it's depending on the client, depends on the platform we use, but a seed and spark is definitely a favorite of mine. Emily Best is the owner and they just run a fabulous, um, a fabulous fundraising site and really give a lot of extra support to the filmmakers that you're not going to find on some of the larger platforms. Um, so Chris has, I believe we have nine days left. So I'm not sure exactly when you're going to hear this podcast. Hopefully it's before nine days. It will be two days left when the podcast airs. <laughs> okay, great. Or one day left, maybe. Okay, great. But, but so. by that time, we'll be able to announce that the it's already funded. project's been funded. Right. It's greenlit. And, and you now can we're just still, trying to get our stretch goals. Right, yes, right. absolutely. In, instead of uh, Wawa for craft service, you yes. can actually hire somebody. Yes. To do, not that Wawa's bad. Not that Wawa's bad. But, um, well, we actually have an exciting announcement. You know what? I think I can say it here. Go ahead. Because this isn't going to – we're going to have announced this by the time this airs. So if for some reason we haven't announced it, I'll tell you to edit this part out. <laughs> but – so not only have we just passed $20,000, and I believe we're about 67, 68% funded, we need to hit 80% funded to get the money. If we don't, we don't get any of it. So we have nine days left on the clock to get it and or succeed. And by the time you hear this podcast, we will, hopefully, have already announced this, Roland's Deli in Brookhaven, Pennsylvania, has come on as a sponsor, and they will be providing most of our lunches for our cast and very crew nice. over very our nice. eight days of shooting. Yes. Right. So you're not yes. going to go hungry. There's no concern. We will not be hungry. Dave over at Roland's Deli is going to be hooking us up. We're going to have the best sandwiches for our cast and crew. Um, no one will be hungry. Everyone will be fed. So we are super excited about that. 
Um, there's another day that we will be shooting at Tom Jones. And so Tom Jones restaurant in Brookhaven will be providing meals on that day. Um, we do have one day, um, that we'll be shooting in media. So if anyone's listening and wants to provide lunch for the cast and crew, I believe it's August 5th or 6th that we're going to be in media. So we do still need lunch that day. If anybody's listening and wants to feed the cast and crew, give us a call. <laughs> Leah, you've been so generous with your time. I can't believe it's almost an hour that's gone yes. by Ooh, already. But I do have to tell you one other thing. I am also going to be in Delco the movie. I will be playing Dr. Gordon, who is one of the teachers at the Sun Valley at Sun Valley High School. Um, and there's a few other Sun Valley teachers who are going to be in the movie. You've probably heard about this since Chris was just here. But we just put out a video from Dr. Frampton, who was my history teacher twice in high school. Um, so it's just kind of like a full circle and it's super fun. If you want to be involved, we need extras. Um, there's actually a perk on the page for $37 in a row. You can be an extra in the scene with Brian O'Halloran from Clerks. That's just recently been announced. Um, so come on, come on out, Dalco. We're going to be shooting at Tom Jones. We're going to be shooting at the Media Theater. We're going to be shooting at a church in Springfield. We're going to be shooting at a couple places around Brookhaven. Uh, we're going to be shooting at a tailor shop somewhere in the Ridley area. So please get in touch. Let us know. Um, we've got space. If you want to volunteer, you want to help out, you want to be an extra, you want to be in the movie, uh, let us know because we want it to be filled with, with Delco residents. And for somebody that has those early passions like you had, as a kid, yeah. maybe this is what inspires them Absolutely. to go out and follow their dream and passion. Absolutely. You know, and that was one other thing I was thinking about with the great media Comic-Con and how we were talking about, you know, just bullying and or feeling ostracized. There's a lot like when I looked at some of the children walking around, some of the teenagers, even some of the adults, I can tell that they're geeks like me. I can tell they're a nerd like me. I can tell they're a dork like me. Like I can tell they have all these weird interests. And if you're not extroverted like me, maybe you're having a little bit of tough time with that. And so I really made it my mission to try to make eye contact with as many teenagers and kids and young adults that were walking around to know that you fit in. You fit in somewhere. You fit in here. You fit in with the nerds and the geeks and the misfits and the dorks and the dweebs and the comic conners and the cosplayers. And we welcome you. Um, and we welcome you to DelcoTheMovie.com too. <laughs> How do people find you on your socials, Insta, all those things? Where can people go to find you? All of the above. Um, I think I'm more active on Instagram these days uh, than the others. And everything you can find me is at Leah Savoli, L-E-A-H-C-E-V-O-L-I. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I just joined Threads. Yo, what's up? If you're on Threads, follow me on Threads. Um, I think Dawn just Dawn joined awesome. that too. Yes, like, like Dawn, the new thing. follow me on Threads. Um, you know, uh, YouTube, LinkedIn. Um, of course, imdb.com is where you can find out more about my resume and things like that. Greenlightyourpassionproject.com if you have crowdfunding questions. All shapes and sizes. Welcome.com if you're interested in learning more about that panel. And leasavolivo.com if you'd like to hire me for your next voiceover. Okay, you're Delco. Yes, and we asked, I am Delco. We asked this of our guests. 
Well, how, do, how do you describe Delco to somebody that's not from here? How do I describe Delco? Um, it's from it's where I'm from. Um, we're a suburb outside of Philly. We got all the Wawas. Um, Delco. I mean, everybody knows Delco now from Mayor of Easttown, right? You know, so Kate Winslet's putting us on the map. And uh, uh, gosh, it wasn't Jennifer Aniston said she was from Essington, right? Lived in Essington for a minute, I think I heard. Um, Delco. How do I describe Delco? You know, we're we're on the corner of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. Um, I mean, it's it's weird, right? Because we're a little white trash. We're a little redneck. But we're also really cool. <laughs> and there's people in the main line going, we're not redneck, we're not white trash. Depends what part of Delco you're from, I guess. Um, Delco is a eclectic mixing pot of mostly good, kind, loving people. You're on your way to a photo shoot and you have a cheesesteak craving. Okay. Where are you going in Delco for a cheesesteak? Um, where am I going in Delco for a cheesesteak? I think I'm probably going to Las Patas. Las Patas, okay. I guess. I'm, I'm you saying say it correctly. Las Patas, Las Patas. You know, water, water. Oh my God, <laughs> you guys. When I first moved out to LA, even to this day, actually, I have a girlfriend, my girlfriend Michelle, who's from Detroit, lived in LA, now lives in Nashville. She still makes fun of me. I'll just come over and she'll go, You want some water? You want some water? You want some water? And I'm like, whatever. But when I moved to LA, oh yeah, she's just trying because she's not that cool. She's not that cool, Michelle. It's it's water. (laughs) But when I moved to LA, I will tell you, every time I tried to order order water in a restaurant, they'd go, What? What do you want? What? Oh no. And so I finally had to start saying water. And I remember having this conversation with my dad years ago. I came home and I guess I said water. And he said, What'd you say? And I said, Dad. I said, I'm hosting events. I'm hosting events with children. I have to speak properly. Well, you're not speaking properly if you're from Delco. (laughs) So these days I embrace. I go from water to water, depending who I'm with. It can come out, but my Delco comes out all the time. I mean, you guys is kind of my my thing. Um, Yeah, uh, just like... Delco has, we have our own accent and I don't even think we realize it. I actually just shared a meme this morning on Facebook and it said, you know, you're from Pennsylvania when you leave the state and didn't realize you haven't had an accent. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have an accent. We don't. You do. We do. Whatever they are. <laughs> so we talked about your cheesesteak option. Where are you going for pizza? Okay. So cheesesteak is Las Vegas. Pizza. Whew. Does Kent's pizza still exist? That's a good question. We'll have to have people let us know. Does Kent's Pizza still exist? I remember Kent's, but I will tell you these days it's normally either Coco's, shout out to Coco's, um, or Seasons. Or, or Pinocchio's if I'm in media. You know, that's going to depend. So we'll say Coco's, Seasons, or, or, or Pinocchio's. And Pinocchio's, because you're filming in media and need an opportunity. Lunch there you that go. day. <laughs> there you Pinocchio's. Go. Pinocchio's is the best pizza in town. <laughs> I, I think I have a sense of how you're going to answer this, but I just want to make sure you are heading to the set, meeting Chris, doing location scouting, and you need a convenience store option. Are you going to Royal Farms or are you going to Wawa? What's Royal Farms? <laughs> it's, I, I, all right. I will tell you, Royal Farms is the place that you stop to go to the bathroom <laughs> if you're not near a Wawa. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I've seen a few of the, these things pop up. No, it's Wawa. I mean, I will go out of my way for Wawa. I know where every Wawa is. I mean, I'm at Wawa. It's, I shouldn't even say this, but yeah, I'm at Wawa breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, I've got the Wawa app. I've got my Wawa points. I get my free sizzlies when I get the coupon. It's Wawa. If you have friends or family coming from out of town and you want to give them that Delco experience, besides having them join the set of Delco the movie, where are you sending them and, or where are you taking them? Wow. <clears throat> where would I take a people? Well, you know, I think, I think an afternoon in media would, would be appropriate. Um, I mean, if dining under the stars is happening or some sort of other cool event in media, um, but walking around state street is fun. Um, Longwood gardens, is something I like to do. Um, the Aston Trail. I'm from Aston, y'all. So um, there's that new Aston, you know, Chester Creek Trail is a nice thing. Uh, where else? Um, I mean, well, if I was showing them things that were important to me, I'd have to show them Pennell Elementary and Northley Middle School and Sun Valley High School. Went to Rosemont College in Westchester, so we could go around there. Westchester could be fun. What other Delco, I mean, obviously they got to go to a Wawa if they've never been to a Wawa, but what other Delco thing? You know what? I feel like a night at Tom and Jerry's on McDade Boulevard would just sum it all up. Here's Delco. Awesome. <laughs> Leah, is there anything we haven't talked about on the podcast today? Anything that you want the listeners to know about you or some projects or something you're working on? Hmm. Well, um, you know, I do have a poetry book uh, that's available on Amazon.com. It's called Amicably Ever After, The Year I Grew Up. I actually wrote it many years ago before Amazon existed. So I actually republished it and produced it last year so that, like you said, now we have the Internet, we can find things. Um, so I have two more poetry books in the works. They're like 90% done. So if someone would just kick me in the butt and tell me to finish them, that'd be great. Um, so keep a lookout for that. Um, keep a lookout for some exciting announcements about me and the great media Comic-Con. Delco the movie is going to start shooting, uh, hopefully in a couple weeks. I know there's you know a tentative strike about to happen, so by the time you hear this, we'll know whether that happened or is done or whatnot. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm just here. I'm around. Um, if you've got some things happening, I've been trying to get more involved over at Mac at the Media Arts Center and did some radio plays over there um, earlier this year. And, you know, I'm here and I want to meet people. I want to meet more creatives. I want to be more involved. I want to get more involved in my hometown, bring more attention to it. Um, and I'm always up for a great karaoke night. And I do need to let you all know that I am a Miss Pac-Man champion. And where will we find you singing karaoke? You know, I haven't been to karaoke in a while around Delco. I know there are a couple places, so I need suggestions from you guys because it's been a minute since I've gone out doing karaoke in Delco. I know there's a couple bars that do it, but I don't really know who and what dates. So if anybody has suggestions for the best karaoke night in town, let me know. Leah Savoli, yes. I am so grateful for your time today. Thanks for being a friend of What's Happening Delco. We can't wait to sing karaoke with you. We can't wait to see you on the big screen for Delco the movie. All of your projects, nothing but success. And what you do is you inspire and you motivate. And your stories bring out the best in others. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing that. Aw, thank you so much. What's Happening Delco?